Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, good afternoon. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by WitchSchool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And good afternoon, everybody, for joining us for the Ed the Pagan Show. And um, and today, we're this is the third episode of the Ed the Pagan Show as part of the Pagans Radio Night Network, which we are getting back together. I always thank everybody for making us one of the most listened to pagan podcasts in the world. And uh, we've just finished uh, uh, Sarah Livermore. And tonight, today, I have a very special individual uh, on the other end, a person I met, I was fortunate to meet last at the Parliament of World Religion. And, uh, and one of those interesting things I uh, came away with was the knowledge and depth of where he had an understanding of our community from a very different point of view. Um, it's Lawrence Lerner. He's out there on the West Coast, and he's been working with a lot of the community members, especially in the idea of finances and um, and the idea of kind of building up the way the internet works. I'm looking very forward to this conversation, and hopefully, hey Lawrence, are you there? I am. Good afternoon, Ed. And yes, and uh, well, blessings of the season, and then. Uh, people and people are always unusual that yeah this is a Christmas Eve show but really this is about 2020 I think. Um, first of all, let me go ahead and um, get get you kind of uh, tell you like um, I I introduced you I, I I've been very fortunate to meet with you and uh, get to know you in the, in the last year. But um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story? How did you get here? I mean, you're a pagan and one of the emerging and I guess for a while I've been a pagan leader out on the West coast. So I know you don't describe yourself that way. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So uh, introduce you to the audience. Well, I appreciate that. Ed. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd characterize myself as a, as a leader in the community. You know, my pagan journey started in the eighties in Chicago. There were very, very few Uh, people openly pagan at the time. I was an undergraduate at the University of Chicago. Um, I had done a lot of studying of pagan traditions as well as OTO, the works of Aleister Crowley. And uh, I met some like-minded individuals, most of whom uh, I'm still in touch with today, though we're kind of all scattered across the country. And uh, we formed our first covenant. And, you know, that started me uh, on my path and, uh, you know, a lifelong career of learning. And uh, curiously, it was the same time that I learned programming because uh, I was an undergraduate in computer science and math. And it was a funny thing because there were a, a tremendous amount of similarities in uh, writing rituals as well as writing code. 
I actually agree with that a lot more than people realize. I, I think there's a lot to be said for the Internet and the way cyberspace works and the way that metaphysical spaces work. So, yeah, no, Chicago in the 80s was very interesting. I emerged out in the 90s in Chicago, and uh, Chicago's always been home to these very interesting places. That Chicago's been like one of the origins. But once you got out of Chicago, you started forming your groups. Um, you started you. I know that you're now out on the West Coast. Uh, that you've gotten. So how'd you get out to the West Coast from Chicago? That's a that's a big distance. It's a it's a long way. So you know, I I, I was there for thirty years. I traveled quite a bit. I've, I've got over five million air miles. I've uh, worked in tech and helped launch a lot of everyday technologies in smartphones, cryptocurrency, uh, rebuilding a, a number of large companies, working with early stage startups. I've run a couple of venture funds. And while I was doing all of that traveling, uh, working for consulting companies and some tech companies, you know, there were cities that I gravitated towards and ended up doing just a lot of work. And in the um, early 2000s, I ended up working for a company. We had a lot of clients here in Seattle. I ended up on the board of a public company in Vancouver, British Columbia. So I was here in Seattle at least one or two weeks out of every month for a couple of years. And the weather in Chicago, as you know, having lived there for many years yourself, it's just, you know, can be brutal in the winter. And, and after two winters of trying to, you know, being unable to dig the driveway out with a snowblower, I said enough is enough. Uh, I came to Seattle and looked around, found a great condo downtown. And I also appreciated the fact that I had a lot of friends who had moved here from other parts of the country. Uh, huge tech community, as I'm sure everybody's aware of. And a really strong pagan community. About 2% of the state identifies, according to Pew Research, as pagan. So all of those things were kind of this, this wonderful convergence. It was a great time of my life, uh, you know, mostly being newly single, to come out here, start fresh, and really build, uh, you know, a, a new life in the community, both pagan, spiritual, tech, all, all of the above. Um, absolutely. And um, so why don't you go ahead? That's amazing. Um, why don't you go ahead and describe a little bit, uh, if you may, of where you feel you, you are in the pagan world. I mean, your faith and your practice a little bit. And then I want to get into some more um, really interesting things. Sure. I think yeah, this is so, interesting. You know, at, at, so. at the end of the day, I, I do – community is really important for me. Right? So, so out of all of the things, the, the aspects of my spiritual life, um, I spend a lot of time with my, my patron, my teachers, and uh, I enjoy the ethics and values that we find, you know, overall in general in the community. So that's what led me to my journey to start working with others. I worked with one of the uh, a small local church here, um, helping them with their business strategy and marketing. Uh, you know, quite, quite a number of other things, helping them to grow. 
as well as other groups and just getting to know people. It takes time, right? You move into a new area and to, to get to know people uh, takes time, but I found the community super open and welcoming. There were lots of pagan pride events. Uh, there, were, there were markets, you know, at, at that time, maybe once every couple of months. Now we've got markets every, almost every weekend. And because I've built, you know, I became an atypical tech guy. I went from being the programmer in the corner cubicle to going out and doing a lot of speaking and networking. And I took those same skills and a lot of the business skills and applied them to the pagan world and just started reaching out to people and going to get coffee uh, or, or tea with, with local leaders and people in the community who'd been around just to sort of understand the path that people were on, what they were doing, um, and then started using tools online like LinkedIn and Facebook to reach out to people and build that connected network. Because as a community, we're, we sort of lack that where other faiths have a much stronger and, and broader, you know, network one. I suspect we'll talk about some of those things. So I even use tools, I think I said, like LinkedIn. And then when I got invited uh, or somebody recommended to me to go to the Parliament World Religions, I said, gee, I don't want to go there and not know anybody. And ironically, there were all of these people from Chicago, because that's where the headquarters is, that I hadn't known, that were even at my school, um, that I reached out to and got to know quite well. I met one of the trustees from the parliament who lives here in Seattle, and we've actually developed quite a strong friendship. Uh, and I'll be making some announcements in the next couple of weeks about joining the board of a new religious interfaith organization uh, that, that's going to be really exciting. And so, you know, what I, I feel that, you know, it allows us to be part of the community. And until we're part of the community, we won't be part of that community. So I'm trying to do the outreach and just connect people. That nothing more. And I think that's worked really well. And I've gotten to know you, Lord Don, uh, Lori, uh, you know, I finally got to see Starhawk again after 30 years. Uh, Laura Tempest Zakroff, and as people travel around the country, I had dinner with Oberon Zell last night. Uh, Oberon and I have become friends over the last year since Parliament. You know, it, it's it's allowed me to really help connect not my just myself to people, but other people when they need resources and things. I've got a list of lawyers, of pagan lawyers, around the country who, should people need assistance with anything. Uh, finance people, mortgage people, all kinds of things. Well, you've been moving through the community uh, pretty quick. So one of the things I think people have been asking me a lot of questions on and that you're at the heart of is this proposed pagan credit union. Um, so a little bit more, I think I've been watching your travel and emissions. And as, as people know that I've, I've been, I've come back in a big way from after being seven years in the field. We won't talk much about that today uh, but as it is we're coming back and as people know i'm going to be traveling the country in this next year and other places uh i'm confirming if we, if we, you mentioned it before i'm going to confirm i'm confirming my philippines i'm going to be in the philippines for like the first two weeks of may which is going to be very exciting um and i agree with you i think there's a need for connection in the community i think you've been doing a great job of doing that 
this proposed credit union, probably one of the most misunderstood things in our community right now. Um, and the reason I feel like it's misunderstood is that, well, first of all, it's in construction, and people very much see credit unions in all sorts of different lights. Can you tell us a little bit about this project? I mean, I think um, it's a fascinating sure. one. I actually believe in that. There's There's a lot of facets about it, but at the end of the day, the reason that we did this was financial literacy. Full stop, nothing more. When, when I was at Parliament with Oberon and Selena Fox and, and Don and yourself and other people, the real question came up is why do pagans struggle so much? Uh, or some pagans, or, or the perception is that we struggle so much with finances. And, you know, having taken sort of an atypical path in the pagan and business world myself, I kind of looked at it and said, there's a fundamental communication problem and trust problem when it comes to the system. People don't like the system, they don't understand it, therefore they avoid it, therefore they're not part of it. And as we talked to people and as Jason Fletcher formed the original Facebook group that we're using, you know, before any of it, anybody else got involved, the question that we got from, that we asked people is, what do you really want? And, and a big part of it came around education. How does the system work? How can we be part of it? But how can we be part of it without sort of giving up our values and the way that we look at the world and how we invest and where our, you know, investments go in terms of money. Um, so, so the question was, what should we be doing? And as we started to talk through all of those things, people said, yes, we want to learn more about savings and how to pay for uh, kids' college and invest in churches and all of the good things around that. But we need practical exercise. We can't just get book learning or someone talking to us over the internet. So let's do this in a very practical way. And we looked at the option of doing a bank, right? Because you can create a bank that's got to be open to everyone. Partnering with a bank and saying, hey, we've got, you know, this faith group that's really interested in being in part of it. Or doing a credit union because credit unions are member owned and controlled. That means that no matter how much money you put in, let's just say there's 100 people in it, just for, to keep it simple. Whether you put in $10 or $1,000, you have the same one vote as any other member. Those members decide the rules and policies. They elect a board. The board, when we don't have a board yet, because we aren't formed, you elect that board, the board then goes and hires all of the bank officials, CEO, president, et cetera, et cetera, to run the operations of the bank. And so the, the, what came about was we need a place where we can manage finances and educate people on how to have uh, stronger economic influence with themselves to, to run their lives, their businesses, and have some influence in the community. Other faith groups have done this extremely well uh, and create a great deal of influence. That influence reflects 
impacts on elected officials, things getting done in the community, and how they're perceived. So just to, to wrap up this, this piece of it, that was the, the whole concept, was to give people literacy and freedom to make those choices. Nothing more. We have not collected a dollar, nor are we, uh, and can't do that until the credit union is open. And then that's that's the process that people are still very much exploring with you, how to get it open, how they want to present it, and filling out the forms. I've seen that. Because I know you're looking for letters from organizations that, if I understand Correct. it right, let me see if I understand this. You're looking for letters from organizations that says, we have an interest, and we would be interested in exploring it, but does not necessarily make it relevant to the That's absolutely correct. And that's what's called the field of membership. The difference between mm -hmm. a credit union and a bank, banks have to accept anyone and everyone who mm -hmm. comes to them with money unless they're on you know, a, a watch list. Credit unions, so, the government says – sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish, please. I want you to finish this. Oh, Absolutely. With, with a credit union, you have to define a group of like-minded people that can be sort of organized and categorized so you can say this is a credit union for uh, a very large company, say uh, a Starbucks or a Ford Motor Company or an REI, or for people who live in a geography like St. Louis, Missouri. So you can have a St. Louis, Missouri credit union. You can have it for employers. Uh, what you can't do is have it for people with sort of a common interest that doesn't pull things together. So, for example, you can't have a basketball fans credit union because there's no way to track the people and say, yes, they're, they're all active participants in basketball. In the faith community, uh, I looked at what other faiths are doing, and it's, and it's primarily Christians because uh, the other faith groups uh, in Muslim Sharia law sort of prevent some of that and there have been one or two unsuccessful attempts at, uh, at Muslim credit unions. The, the Jewish community tends to stick to the traditional, um, and I've not seen them in, in too many other faith groups in the United States. What the Christians have done is say, look, we can identify certain groups of churches, of people who follow one or two you know, particular denominations or sects within Christianity. And then we can look at those churches and say, each of them has X number of members. So if we say to that church, hey, is this person part of your church? They can say, yes, they are. That's how you get set up. So what we're looking for and what the government wants, is they don't want you to create, go through all the paperwork and all of the setup to become a credit union for 25 people or 200 people. They look for a minimum of 3,000. So in the pagan community, so, what we've done – go ahead. No, go ahead. Please. Oh, oh, sorry. I thought you said something. So in the pagan community, we've looked for some of the, the larger pagan groups and churches where people track members and say to them, look, are you interested, just as you said earlier, and if you are, just tell us how many members you have. And that is about it. The, the form is sitting out on the 
Facebook group. It's pretty simple. It's, you know, where are you geographically located? How many members do you have? Do you think this is a good idea, yes or no? If it's no, you probably wouldn't have filled out the form, but um, that, that is it. And we want to send it to NCUA, the National Credit Union Association, with a commit, a commit, not a commitment, but a acknowledgement that 3,000 people think this is interesting. And that's, that's where we are at the moment. And, yeah, I'm talking, we're going back this weekend. Um, this very week, we're at the, um, that I'm trying to educate people, and that's why I'm so grateful to have you on. So where is that located again, that form? Because I think any group. And so it doesn't matter the size of your group, right? Because it's a cumulative effort. No. So you mentioned 3,000. But it could be a group of that's 10 right. people, right? They can fill out the form. Where would they find that form? It, it is on the Facebook group, the Proposed Pagan Credit Union. It's called Proposed because that's uh, something from NCUA that they require. Until uh, we pass the first step, they, mm-hmm. they tell us um, they want us to put proposed in front of the name. But if you go there, there's a simple short form letter or somebody can message myself or any one of the other uh, group administrators and, and then they'd be able to see uh, where it is. So I, I'm, I'm all for this. As like yourself, we've talked about it. You know, I talk to a lot of the merchants in the world. I talk to a lot of pagan leadership about cumulative action. Uh, Pagan's Night Radio Network for the last 10 years put out 3,100 uh, 3, podcasts. This is literally our 3,100th 3, podcast today. Um, and we did it through cumulative action. So this is another action of what I would say is cumulative action. No one group or no one individual could create all of it, but certainly us as a, as a, as a community could. Um, so because I mentioned ideas such as a lot of the merchants have a hard time. People struggle with finances. And let's go ahead and talk a little bit about that because you've got in that. We, and you're now running into it, and you've been running into it for a while too, is the idea that we struggle with our finances. And for me, a lot of the merchants I run into, it's probably a different situation is that they have a hard time reaching the community because, well, community doesn't like advertising. Nobody wants to spend money on advertising. This is not your thing. But what do you from your CC community from beginning, what is the keep, from your point of view, keeps the community from getting healthier with finances? Um, that was one thing I heard at the parliament as well, is how many people, individual leadership, ended up paying for their own trips instead of having groups help them or found support to go to the parliament of world religions. Very few of them actually went with their church's blessing. I, I think there's a couple of things. I, I, I suspect that, that the tithing aspect of, of committing to leaders is a reaction from a lot of pagans because they were brought up in faiths where that was mandatory and they were extremely disappointed in the way they saw their dollars being spent or the way that money was asked for. I know my own experience was if you didn't have money and the ability to pay uh, for, for certain things, you were looked down upon. And, and so there, there's almost a visceral reaction that, that people have had. And then as we look at our spirituality, people say, look, I don't want this to be running my life. I don't want... Uh, the way that, you know, corporate 
greed in some areas has has ruined some things. And there are companies that do really good work, but they're also, you know, questionable or objectionable things that some of the banks have invested in uh, that go against our ecological or gender identity work. And that creates a reaction of people who's like, I don't want to deal with them. Therefore, I'm going to keep my money somewhere else. And I'm not, you know, going to become financially literate about the things that could help me to grow. And also because for a very long time, some of the things that we did, you know, the U.S. has a very bipolar view in some cases to founders and small businesses. It wasn't until the end of the 90s when the dot-com boost started that if you went to a bank or uh, an investment fund or anybody and said, hey, I want to go start a new business as an independent, they'd laugh at you. they go, go get a regular job. What you're trying to do is really a bad idea. And it wasn't until the tech boom where you had 20-somethings making millions of dollars, sometimes billions of dollars at the end of the day, uh, by starting these small companies did anybody have respect for it. And then there were still laws or, or policies on the book about fortune telling, crystals, and those were considered, you know, objectionable or that these businesses weren't full time, that people who were running side hustles, uh, so that's, I actually hate that term because it sounds bad. They were running a second job in addition to what they were doing, you know, making soaps, making tarot cards, making incense, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, people look at it and say, no, that's, you know, we don't want to put money into that because it's not full-time. And I, I hate this. We used to call them working hobbies when I was younger. I, I will say one of the mm. biggest changes in my, my life has been um, I've always been, uh, when I was younger, I was called, you know, um, Nonconformist because I hate working for other people and I always try to be build my own businesses. And today, especially, and I was always talking about inside the pagan community, like we need to take care of our own. And today, uh, it's very interesting to see the entrepreneur, the the idea of making your own money being put much more on a pedestal. I almost think sometimes too much of a pedestal. Um, I think too many startups are. I think too many people think they can just make it in the system. And one of the things I see and you, you talk about it, is not having this good financial relationship with banks and things like that. I can tell you, I believe that we've lost $100 million in the last 20 years as a community spent on community centers, shops, and everything else to take and destroy people's personal finances because they don't understand the fundamentals of business. And they get these beautiful shops and they get going. And then two years later, three years later, they're gone. They're just dust. Hmm? Um, I see that a lot, and that that breaks my heart a lot of that lack it, of financial understanding. Hmm? It is heartbreaking. It, it really is, and that's why I've committed, you know, and, and I've actually had someone reach out to me this morning uh, who's doing, you know, again, another small side business for them that they want to grow and scale and figure out, how do, how do they build that out? So I'm trying to, and I've come out as a pagan pretty openly in the business world. I took that 
that risk about two years ago uh, because I didn't know how the business community would react. And I've gotten some blowback from it. Uh, and, and because I work with the legislature here in Washington State and others, uh, I want them to see that there are pagans who are in the community doing the same thing as everybody else, succeeding, failing, trying new things. We are just like everyone else. Those, so the people who aren't getting that business education, um, I've tried to provide it through one of the groups that I was involved with, uh, I think in 2020. I'm going to be more proactive about doing that. And in fact, this morning I spoke with, uh, you know, with Phyllis Carrot, and uh, we're going to be talking about some of these things in the larger community for uh, planning in 2020 and 20 and, and 2021. That's fantastic. I know that myself. Um, I've been looking at building an agency for the last year, but Spirit had a whole other set of demands. And uh, people who've heard my story about the my the healing I went through, Lawrence was the the gentleman who gave me the chariot today. He was uh, one of the frontline witnesses to to probably what was the biggest change in my life and getting me to that. But you do a lot of traveling. I was one of the things I learned about you, and I was actually really uh, jelly in the very light sense uh, that it is that you've done a lot of traveling. You've mentioned that. You've got a very different perspective of the world than most. You said like 5 million miles, which is like, I, I thought I figured it out, like going around the world like 100 times, uh, a little more than that, um, traveling, you know, going around there. And because uh, well, you mentioned like we were talking about, um, I just confirmed yesterday that I will be in the Philippines for approximately 10 days filming in 2020. Yes, everybody, I, I'm going to be building this reality show, this sort of uh, documentary of the community, because I see that as very important. It's my particular skill set. Um, and you've been, you, you mentioned uh, that you've been to the Philippines and a lot of different places. Can you talk about that? What, what's that? Why, you know, I know you've done it for work, but you also explore a lot around when you travel. Can you talk a little bit about how that I, really kind of built in your face? I do. Yeah, you know, you, you can't just go there and expect to work and people will come to you. But the lesson that I learned early on, especially as I started taking over global businesses, was that to go and meet people in their own country, learn their customs, learn a little bit of their language, at least enough to observe some of the local social uh, pleasantries and you build this personal currency with a person so that they know that you are respecting the way that they do things there and and they've done them for 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 different reasons so it's also allowed me to learn cultures cook I love to cook so I talk to the chefs in the restaurants I get to walk the streets of different cities uh, and I used to say, you know, it was my 10, city, uh, 10 cities that I could come home after a night of, of drinking uh, so that I sort of knew my way around and was very comfortable with it. And what it gave me was a sense of, of belonging to that place. And I've done that in India, in um, Czech Republic, in London, uh, all over the world, all over the U.S. and in Canada, 
parts of Mexico so that, uh, you know, I, I get that, I'm able to make that connection. And now I also look to reach out to other faith leaders while I'm there so that I just have a connection, not as a representative of any one group, but as a person reaching out to another person because that's, that's kind of who we are. So, yeah, it has given me a, a really unique perspective about the way that pagans are perceived, different faiths are received, uh, Americans are perceived around the world, and it's not always pleasant. You know, you don't always have the, the best reputations because of things that people see or read in the newspaper or watch on the media. But I was in Davos in the beginning of this year, and they'd heard about my travels uh, in the World Economic Forum, and out of the blue, really unusual, they had brought an ayahuasca priestess to one of my talks to introduce her to me. She didn't speak any English. I wasn't quite sure. I never quite understood how or why she got there uh, and what her role was at, at the economic forum. But that sort of connection. So she told me about the missionary work she's doing, similar to some things that I've seen us do in the community. And, and enabled us to exchange some information, thoughts, and ideas about how to do different kinds of healing for communities. She works with a lot of uh, formerly incarcerated or currently incarcerated and uses traditional healing on them through her beliefs. So we spent a good couple of hours, uh, partly through a translator, talking mm -hmm. uh, about that. Well, I think part of that is, is I think, so I tell people we're about to go into the roaring 20s again. I really think we're heading into the uh -huh. roaring 20s, just like the 1920s, except this time the, the fuel of choice will not be hemp. Not marijuana was still hemp in the 20s. Very little of they called that. And also alcohol, the prohibition against alcohol, really did, a did, really did a good job for us in breaking down bars are no longer men. Anybody can go to a bar because, again, the law. I think except the subject yep. this time is going to be uh, uh, psychedelics, hallucinogenics, and the sort of this belief. I see that going to be the big, big, big change. We're going to see much more of that in our society. I think that's going to really – I think you're going to see governments fighting it as well as trying to work with it. But it's also that oppression of it. It's going to make it a roaring 20 because everybody's going to want to test some of it. Microdosing, um, mushrooms, I, uh, I, I – that sort of thing. Um, so I can see why she would be there because that's becoming a very important part of our culture, um, the way we deal with mm. our mind. And at the same time, we're going to see, so you've been a programmer for a long time, and this is something, you've been in the Internet since the Internet's been there practically. Hmm? Uh, Not quite, time, but early days. Well, it depends if you mark it. I always mark it the World Wide Web is 93. Hmm? Um, again, when it was invented, you know, when, it, when the World Wide Web was brought into place. And for me, it's always been very much a space where I think people thrive. It's cyberspace. And it responds in a lot of ways, the way we say the magical world is. We have our codes and our wizard, wizardry codes. We ask it to do things, and then it performs things. And when you get into it, really your ability to code and imagine is what it limits it to. Um, for us, for myself, it was a discovery of how to build a school online that helped my tradition expand out so far and support itself by through small subscription fees. 
that became our secret. That became the sort of financial support that we continue to, to receive to this day. Uh, we just finished doing a major rebuild. So for you, what is you seen? I mean, you've seen a lot of this. I mean, you've been at it for a while. And you, particularly, you're in the, if I understand it right, the financial trust community or the, the trust community, what we call um, where, where we have to worry about how finances move, how money moves, how things of value move across the map. That's where your, a lot of your energy has been spent. Hmm? That's right. So right now, and, I, I, and I'll, I'll start from where I am and then work backwards a little bit. I build trust systems. Those trust systems involve moving money and digital assets around the world. Uh, some of it's using blockchain. Some of it's using cryptocurrency. Those are different things just for the sake of clarity because you can now move digital assets and companies uh, even banks like HSBC, which has got uh, operations in 65 countries, has moved 20 billion of its 50 billion dollars in assets to all digital transactions. So I build, I help people build systems, I invest in them, um, and, and I offer you know design and strategy for building the organizations that support how this works, what are the processes, what are the technologies, who do you need to work with from a government and regulation standpoint. And that stemmed from this really interesting opportunity that I had in the late, well, yeah, in the late 80s to build the first credit and debit card system for point of sale for a company called Follette. They run half the college campus bookstores in the United States. So I got a deep understanding of the workings of how those systems work. I helped Discover Card. It wasn't even called Discover Card at that time. Still Sears payment systems and uh, Dean Witter designed their merchant system to understand, you know, what was that trust that people wanted to know that transactions were being reconciled, they were moving back and forth, and that the electronic, not digital, assets were, were cared for. And I see that as a big part of what we go forward with, because even in our community, we want to exchange digital assets in the form of books and learning for some other value. It could be currency, it could be something else, right? And that allows people to trust that it came from an authentic source and that hopefully the person who created it has also got the experience and knowledge credentialing uh, to back them up to say this came from, you know, I won't pretend to know the, the degree system for, for Corellians, but it came from somebody in the tradition who had spent a number of years studying, uh, pick something, herbalism or pagan leadership and, and, and worked with other leaders in the community. Those are really valuable commodities because you know now that someone has done something and that there is a trust system that it went from one party to another without being interrupted. So I agree. So and people have heard me speak about, and I guess one of the things I've had, I've come to the realization, as much as I want to move out and try to build systems, I love systems. I have to go out and re, like you've done for years, I have to go out and reintroduce the community and get the community to understand itself better. 
But one of the big things you have, you just saw Wild Hunt talk about so many books, you know, the, the fact that people give out PDF books. Now, I have a couple of books out there that I put out there as PDFs for free. But people are losing – authors who don't receive very money, much money to begin with are losing even more by this sort of piracy out there. But also the big thing I've talked about is how do we and, – and there's a big difference between cryptocurrencies and blockchain and verification systems. That for hospitals, I've seen it for other systems where if you, know, you want to do a wedding or – it's very difficult to prove you're a clergy member to a hospital, to a funeral home, to a wedding to any sort of legal system right now. It's very hard for pagans to prove that they're actual legal ministers a lot of times because we don't necessarily have these great verification systems. And so we have a lot of people who cloud that, you know, people who who don't have the sort of training that they need to be able to go into hospital ministries or prison ministries. Uh, weddings, are, I think, is a very different type of sort of thing, but, but these sort of – you know, these sort of moments where you really need trained professionals and uh, and people of faith to move in there, it's very hard to verify that they're real. And because of that, oftentimes, even the most well-trained get uh, pushed out. They get, you know, we don't, we don't believe you or we don't, you don't have any evidence because there's not a lot of educational processes or there's not a lot of verification processes. So do you think in the future that, that, that things like the way the computer is, the way the trust systems are working – that that could become part of our community, that we can find better ways to do that so we can match those goals mm-hmm. of the greater society. Absolutely, but, it, but, but it's going to take time. And, in fact, even in traditional society, I've worked with, uh, you know, I started a project with the lieutenant governor here in Washington. Credential, getting credentials for anything is a laborious process. It takes an average of 91 days when a new – uh, MD is hired for a hospital to get their credentials transferred over to the new hospital. So it's an incredibly inefficient system. Any kind of transferring any kind of license today is is very difficult. Compound that with the fact that most people will not have heard of any of the pagan or Wiccan seminaries that are out there and are wondering whether they're licensed or credentialed, and even if they are, getting that validation from the state, because those are done at the state level, is, is a laborious process. And then they want to know what it means. Because, and, and then there's still a lot of ignorance in the community. They go, well, that's not really a religion. And there was a recent story uh, about a grade school child who was wearing uh, Mjolnir around his neck and the teacher said, no, you have to take it off. That's all make-believe. It's not a real religion. And and those sorts of things, you know, the only, again, it's all about communications and building more um, that, that, you know, that will help educate. And it's the same thing with the credit union until people see that we're creating some kind of economic, currency for ourselves and just think here's how we invest in communities and there are stories of Wiccan churches doing things for communities. People do not recognize that. And once they, but once they do, that's where the, the tables, you know, start to shift and people say, okay, well, you maybe are more like us than we thought. They don't have to be exactly alike, but holding some good values and being able to, 
explain what it is that we're doing and, and why so that there aren't misunderstandings. I agree. I mean, I saw it with the, even the Parliament of World Religions um, in 93, people walked out because they were practicing Wiccans and witches. Uh, the Greek Orthodox way out in 2009, my particular faith, Wiccans, was obliviated from the entire parliament. We were not represented at all, except Phil Scrott had just become a member of the board there. But on the board and everything, everybody was focusing on the indigenous idea of uh, paganism being indigenous. And that was a very important part for the pagan community. But in the process, the Wiccan community got completely buried in 2009. But by 2018, we stood together as a community. This brilliant moment where we stood in the community and everybody got to recognize us as a global religion. Saw that that on that level, and even with all of that, all that means is that we get to go into interfaith communities and and start the process of teaching. And that's going to take another 25 years right. of um, just you know getting it down there. Even with that sort of credentialing, uh, Patrick McCollum moving around in the world doing his things, um, you moving around in your business world. It's going to take a long time to get a shift, but I also think it doesn't take as long as people think. I mean, you get to get to see these victories over time. So, yeah, you're talking about 2020. So how, how are you going to move out in 2020? You know, are you planning to visit out places? Do you have any plans that you want to share with people? How are you going to get there for your idea? Um, I mean, I'm hoping that you will do more radio shows with us um, when you have things to say. Absolutely. I'm 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 still forming some of this and working with a few leaders in the community. Uh, I, I'll say this: I'm going to do a couple of things uh, to help some of the uh, less tech savvy and less social media savvy leaders in the community. Mm-hmm. So I'll put this out that, and I'm going to write this up formally. I am looking for one or two interns uh, to be coached and mentored by me taking some of the experience that I have in the business and social media world and using that to help some of these leaders, you know, reestablish or establish bigger brands. I'll be working to reach out to some of the, uh, you know, Gen, Gen Z and millennial witches who are doing, you know, quite popular YouTube shows that a lot of 20-something witches are learning from and using that mechanism to spread the opportunity to have broader dialogue and to be able to share some of the business learning. I'm also probably Mm -hmm. going to start doing some teaching. Uh, The meditation practices that that I've been taught, I'll probably start there. Uh, I will do more writing. I'm going to be more more visible in the larger community uh, and probably do a few more events. I don't know which. Um, I'm open to suggestions. This will be the last Pantheacon. Uh, you know, it's everybody has mixed feelings about it. Uh, and then, you know, I'll be looking for other events to attend. Maybe Puff mm-hmm. and St. Louis Picnic and uh, I will try and make lustrations this year. Every year something comes up, but um, I have a lot of people to visit in New Orleans. Uh, Voodoo Temple, Voodoo Spiritual Temple is doing their 30th anniversary, so I uh, promised Priestess Miriam I would be down there for that. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm open to other things, but I'll be doing more writing and uh, looking at 
uh, Wild Hunt and Pathios and any other uh, news outlets in the pagan community to write about spirituality and interfaith last year, or actually it was this year, wow. Uh, well, it's still 2019. Um, I had a couple of articles printed in Religica and in the Interfaith Observer. So we'll continue to, to do more of that. And you and I will keep talking. Yep. And so how do people contact you? If they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, go to my website, lawrenceilearner.com. Uh, last name mm-hmm. is L-E-R-N-E-R. Uh, my Twitter handle is Rev, R-E-V, does not stand for Reverend, Innovator, I-N-N-O-V-A-T-O-R. Uh, I'm on Telegram. I'm on WeChat because I spend a lot of time in Asia. Those are the easiest ways, and I'm always on those, to get a hold of me. You can certainly friend me on Facebook, but please send a note explaining why, because I get a ton of friend requests, and I don't always know what the source is, so I'm happy to chat with anyone, but uh, just sort of introduce yourself, and I'm, I'm really sense. happy to talk to people. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been really studying sort of this thing, So because my next project is very similar to yours, except you're going to teach a lot of finances, and I think people need to listen listen to finances more. I'm going to be building, because I'm trying to build this sort of idea of getting ourselves by 2021, I want to have uh, I go to the National Association of Broadcasters in uh, 2021. I want to have a full board. This is our community. This is the way we should be presented. That's my big goal. Is that my media goal? Is that I've really learned, like yourself, that we need to be better represented in the media. And so I'm working on you know that sort of thing. Man, TikTok. If you have not been on TikTok, people, that's my next show. You know, I'm going to be talking about TikTok. That's my very next radio show. Um, Yep, TikTok, big change. Yes, everybody needs to learn. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Every small business needs to learn a little bit more about social media. If you're not on Instagram, uh, especially in the pagan community, uh, 20 and 30-somethings are all about that. YouTube video is really important, and even long-form video like YouTube uh, is getting stiff competition from TikTok. I've had a TikTok account for 18 months. I haven't done a lot because I don't like making myself on video, but I've promised to do that more. Absolutely. So, yeah, and let's be honest, the Karelian tradition, my own tradition, owes a lot to, well, we we were the founders of the first online school along with more the more ecology cherry hill was there but we were the first ones to really kind of come mm-hmm. out with online education and still are we just rebuilt the entire site oh my god that was we did so well and with so few dollars and when people say so few dollars still pretty expensive but we had a lot of volunteers we and that's back up and running and you know youtube youtube has been there we were just looking at we have millions of hits you know the pegs night radio has gotten we've been podcasters if you can do any of this thing you need to reach out um but, but when you reach out, I think, what is it that they should now reach out? They get, the thing they always ask, and maybe from a different perspective, what should they be just talking about? What should they be doing? I mean, they say, oh, yeah, we should do that. You know, um, we did the Daily Spell. Just uh, We just did a million outreach. In the last month, we've reached more than a million people through our Daily Spell, which was um, 
third or fourth time we've done that, but this is now consistent. But people ask, what do you think you should be sharing? I mean, what do you think they should be sharing out there, the small businesses and all that? Hmm? Real, really simple. And this is, and, and you hit it on the head, this is something that I, I'm going to look to to build is a network of, of small businesses that can connect each other, share better practices. How do they collaborate and communicate with the community? Because while our, our, our audience is pagan, there is a much broader audience that is interested in candles, tarot, uh, you know, all sorts of other things that they can reach out to. And there are a lot of uh, pagan authors. Print and publishing industry has changed massively. So a lot of authors have to get on the road and do the, the circuit tour for for their books and getting some collaboration from metaphysical shop owners would be enormous to help those people to find the next one in the next city, share information, share insights about what's working, uh, new forms of payment that are going to be interesting for them. I mean, most of them can take cash, but if you're doing a pop-up shop at a pagan pride or some metaphysical market, it may be easier to do, uh, strife or square, and you know what are the lessons learned that you can share? And I think building that as a community repository, as community outreach, and just being able to talk is step number one. Nothing more. Let's not go for the grand transformation uh, of of the universe. Let, let's start with some simple, basic things, even about. Hey, here's how I got my bank loan for my crystal shop or my herbalism shop that wasn't objectionable to traditional banking. That, that's it. Reach out with those things. Or if you've got particular professional service, I'm super fortunate in that um, President of Pagan Pride here in Western Washington, our treasurer is a CPA and a pagan. I mean, I couldn't have gotten oh. more lucky. And uh, the community oh, is lucky for that. And we've been, I understand that, sir, for our own tradition. Because if people don't realize the power of 501c3s, and some, and anybody out there that's an expert in 501c3, I want to talk to you and talk to our audience. Because people don't realize how powerful a 501c3 is. A lot of groups are carrying them around and they're underutilizing them. Um, we've been very fortunate to have uh, real financial experts. Um, and that, and then when you do, Understand, people are. I, I believe this, and you're, you're proof of it. Is that groups have a lot of quality people to them, but they're usually embarrassed or unwilling to ask them, or unwilling to listen too. Let's be honest. Let's, uh, listening is the hard mm-hmm. part to people who are experts in these things, and that could really bring structure to these groups, to the churches, that they could last longer. Because I don't want to see any more churches open up just to close down four years later. I, I will tell you, I've talked to so many people that I'm going to open up a church. I'm going to open up a center. I'm going to open up, and I keep telling them, says, okay, where's your income coming from? Where are you going to sustain it? And they have no clue. They just really are. Just, we are really a community of field of dreamers. And I love that about us, but I hate us losing so much resource. It's not money. It's not capital. It's not any of that stuff. It's really just resources that we just need to deal with. Hmm? It's um, – yep. And I think that, and, I, and, you, and, you, and you're going to talk to the community about this over the next year, from what it sounds like. Get them to understand this a little better. Um, 
So that is fantastic. Okay, so one last thing. Um, um, I noticed that you, you know, that you are, you know, you're really strong out in your community. You're doing a lot of traveling. You're doing a lot of talking. How can we, as a community, support your mission? This is my la- this is the last thing I want to ask you. How do we can we support you? What do you need from us, from me, from other members? What do you need from us to help you with your mission right now? Um, that is super generous. Connections. I, I I don't know what I don't know in terms of people in the community. I want to have those talks because I also want to build or collaborate with someone to build an archive function of where does all of the knowledge that people care to share reside, right? So, so let's start with, again, just talking to each other. Get, I certainly need the support for the credit union uh, of groups that will say, hey, we're in. Uh, we think this is a good idea. Let's explore the next step. So connections, mm-hmm. introduce me to your community leaders, people of influence, wherever they are around the world that I should be chatting with and connecting to other people. Because mm-hmm. when people reach out, I'm able to say, you can call this person or that person. Uh, I'm doing it in the prison system here in Washington. Uh, they're looking for Asatru, uh priests to come in and minister to some of the incarcerated and I was able to make some connections. So I want to keep doing things like that. So reach out. I love talking to people. I love building networks. Uh, because networks become incredibly strong, and that's what makes us such a powerful community. I agree. And I think that uh, so people out there, you know, you, you, I know a lot of the podcasters listen. I know a lot of you YouTubers listen. And um, my next show, I'm going to take on the influencers, what it takes to be an influencer. Um, but uh, Lawrence here represents a, a great ally in these types of projects. I think he can uh, he can probably give advice, give him a little bit of advice, and so reach out to him. Well, thank you, Lawrence, for being a, a great guest here today and, and really sharing a lot of information, I think a different type of perspective. Um, I'm going to certainly tap into it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm as I'm needed of all of it as, as everybody else of making sure we do a better thing. Uh, I'm I'm fascinated by a lot of these subjects and and this is my in depth here. People talk about depth here. This is my depth here. I've been doing so much for so wide for so long. I'm going to go in depth, and I'm we're going to catch launch again. We're going to do films and things of that nature. So uh, as you know, I'm going to be out there and about doing the same thing I've done for so long. So any last any last words? So if I were outside of you know of contacting you and everything else, um, any last thing? So. I'm a young pagan. I'm young as anything. I'm, you know, I'm my first degree studies. I'm my second degree studies. I'm in my first uh, circle. I'm just starting my nest, whatever format that they take. Um, how would they, if they know that they're going to want to be, and they, they know deep in their hearts, they want to build something more. What should they do at the very beginning when they have the most leverage? What should they start with? What advice would you give them to really start to look at yes. Being better build, at the build beginning. Your, build your personal community and and network. Be grounded, because if your own foundation isn't there, then it's really hard to work with others. Know what at least a little bit of what your path is. Don't overset expectations for yourself. And in fact, 
Um, I'm going to publish today or tomorrow morning uh, my resolution system. I'll put it on Facebook and LinkedIn, and I'm committing to helping people do it, work through that. And it's one that I publish about once a year. So do those simple things for yourself first. Be a little selfish. Then start working with others because if you don't have that strong foundation, grounding, an idea of where your spiritual path is taking you, it's super difficult to work with others. Uh, and and that, that's all I would say about that for now. I agree with you on that. I mean, and I want to leave that. So, folks, um, I want to thank everybody who's listening in today and then continue to do so. You know the rules. Go out and share this. Speak with it. And if you have any questions, just go ahead and write me at edthepagan at gmail.com. The latest thing that you know you have to find me. I'm Ed the Pagan everywhere. And um, we will be, and that's that. It says, thank you, Lord. And thank you, everybody. And we are going to go, since it's uh, Yule of the Midwinter, we're going to go ahead and where is leave with you with one of my favorites, uh, Yule Spirit of Peace. And thank you, everybody. Clear and crisp is the Yule night air, and the stars of the heavens look down. The clarion light of the full moon shines on the glistening snow on the ground. The Yule log blazes in the hearth, and the Yule feast is well underway. Goodwill prevails over all hearts, and the spirit of peace holds sway. Spirit of peace, in the still of the night, we all feel you at times like this when open hearts are filled with cheer and no part of our lives is amiss. So we praise you, Spirit of Peace, for all the blessings you give and ask you to help us remember all of the days that we live, that even in times of pain and strife, the Spirit of Peace is still there if we but remember to look within for your help with the burdens we bear. The Spirit of Peace will smooth all roads and she will make all things new. So, Spirit of Peace, we invoke you now and offer the thanks you are due. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.